So I want to recap real quick for uh, those of you who might be visiting or wasn't here last week. We kicked off our new series, Open Doors, just last week. And that stems from the Hebraic calendar. And the new year started on September 15th. Rosh Hashanah, we stepped into a new season. We are on the Galgorian calendar, but the Hebraic calendar speaks to us because God speaks through his language and his people. Amen. And so we talked about how this series was birthed out of the new year in the Hebraic calendar and how God is speaking this to his people right now. This isn't um, this this isn't just some clever uh, uh, series trying to talk and get you fired up about opportunities and open doors and all those. No, this is what God is actually speaking to his people right now. And yes, it is exciting. Yes, it is good news. Yes, it is awesome to think that there's new doors. There's new opportunities to be seized. Amen. In this next season that we are walking into. Come on. And, um, so we are in 5784. So five is the number of grace. Seven is the number of completion. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And four is the dalit or the door. Because we are in the, this is what that, that those numbers are describing to us, God's people, that we are in the dispensation of grace and God is completely giving us new beginnings through open doors. That is some good news right there. Maybe I need to say it again so some of you can get it. That, that we are under the dispensation of grace. Amen. And that God is completely starting some new beginnings in us because we are getting ready to walk through some open doors. Come on, somebody. That's worth giving God a hand clap offering and a shout of praise in this place because some of us have went through hell and back in this last year. But God is getting ready to open some new doors, some new opportunities, some new seasons, some new relationship, some new things. That God is wanting, ready, and able to do with us. Amen. Amen. So I talked about the law of first mentions last week, and I mentioned five doors. Number one was the doors of the sanctuary, and I talked about how God was going to be invading sanctuaries across America. Come on, somebody. Coming to a sanctuary near you. Yes, and I meant corporate worship in the capital C church, in churches across America. What God was going to do in this new year is that he was going to visit his people within the sanctuary, that new levels of glory and new levels of presence, come on, somebody, was going to invade the capital C church of God. It wasn't going to stop and stay with the assemblies of God, the church of God, the church of Christ, whoever. It wasn't a denominational thing, but this was a bride thing that God was getting ready to show up in corporate worship in the sanctuary of God's people in 5784. And we was going to a new level for those of us who hunger and thirst for righteousness and hunger and thirst for his presence that he was going to meet us in this place. Amen. And then I talked to you about the doors of the dwelling place. By the way, this all came from the word. These five doors came from the word. That's where I got it from. Amen. How many of you know you, you got a pastor who loves the word? We got to go back to the word. I don't need to tell you how I feel. I need to tell you the word. Come on, somebody. So the doors of the sanctuary, the doors of the dwelling place was that next door, meaning the doors of your house. Come on, somebody. That God was getting ready to invade the doors of our houses. That it was time that we grabbed our children, bring them in the living room, and begin to pray and worship with them. And that God was going to invade our habits, our habitation of place, our place of habitation that he wanted 
wanted to come and inhabit and dwell with us in our own dwelling place. That, that, that picture of the Dalit, it was a picture of an open tent door. You know that they were, they, they were in, the, uh, in the wilderness living in tents. Amen. So the tent of the dwelling place. Then I talked about doors of government, that God was getting ready to shift some things in the doors of government and that some of us needed to rise up. And we talk politics enough. Heck, just go run for some kind of office or something because God wants to invade the doors of government. And then I talked to you about the doors of the treasury. Come on, somebody, that that God was going to open the doors of his treasury to those who have been faithful in their tithing, been faithful in their giving, been faithful in their serving. Come on. We talked about that from Second Kings chapter 12. Those who took place in the work of the temple, God opened the treasury doors. Come on, somebody. So for those of us who have been faithful in the house of God to not only give to the house and the work of God, but also serve in the house that God was getting ready to open up his treasury for you man y'all should be shouting way more than you are but we also talked about this that how the actually the law first mentioned was the first time that a door is mentioned in the bible is where he tells Cain that sin is crouching at your door and that in this next season the enemy is going to try to throw up doors and opportunities that will get us off of those God doors. Amen. Remember, we talked about that a little bit. There's a big difference between God, uh, good doors and God doors. The enemy would try to, he's willing to trip you up even with good doors because if you ever walk through a God door, things will begin to shift. Come on. Things will begin to shift at your job, things will begin to shift in your family. Things will begin to shift and there can be a greater level of glory. Amen. Remember, we also talked about being prepared for some doors. Amen. That some of us needed to get our affairs in order for this new season. God was going to open up doors left and right. But in order for us to go through them, we had to be prepared for them. Come on. Y'all remember the story of Zacchaeus. He was the one uh, that climbed the tree because he heard that Jesus was coming. Come on, somebody. Zacchaeus was prepared to look upon Jesus and he positioned himself for Jesus. Jesus to look at him and Zacchaeus was the one who hosted Jesus that night for dinner. There was a bunch of people in the crowd, but Zacchaeus was the one person who Jesus said, I'm eating at your place tonight. Come down from the tree. Why? Because he had positioned himself. He was prepared for the door. Amen. And we also talked about spiritual sensitivity last week to know what is a the difference between a good door and a God door that you're going to have to walk in spiritual sensitivity, that that you're going to have to walk in a level of discernment to know the right door or a wrong door. Amen. And I, I shared about, I shared the testimony last week about how I came to this church and that this church and this whole scenario and situation, it wasn't the most attractive door, but it was a God door. Come on, somebody. It, it wasn't the most attractive setting, but, but it was a God door. And hence, we stand and sit in this building today and we have the Legacy Church. And, and I, I got excited, but I meant to ask you, what door is it that God has for you that might not look that attractive but it is actually the door that God has for you and the door that God has for you it can produce an incredible cr uh, crop and harvest amen 
And then I talked about, I'm just setting the table, y'all good? And then I talked about the seven types of physical doors that are a reflection of the spiritual doors. Amen. Some doors have to be pushed open. Some doors only open with keys. Some doors are presence doors. They only open when you show up. Come on. Some doors only open at certain times like a vault. Come on, some doors only open horizontally, some vertically, amen. Some doors only open when you knock on them. Some doors come with enemies and adversaries. Y'all tracking with me here? And I know I mentioned that and I had put it in order, probably planning to preach those in order when I talked about the enemy being last, but... I've got to talk about the enemy today. I'm going to preach this so hard today until I believe it myself. Come on, somebody. Because I'm just going to be transparent with you. Pastor has had a very, very hard week. Probably one of the hardest weeks I've ever had as a Christian. Yeah. So I'm going to preach this thing so hard that I run a lap here in a minute. I'm going to preach this thing so hard that it takes that six-inch trip from my mind down to my heart, and it begins to plant a seed in my very own heart because I came to tell somebody today that when there is a great and effective door that is waiting for you, there are many adversaries, there are many enemies, there is many obstacles, amen. So here we go. Let's get this thing started. A great and effective door brings enemies. In other words, if you have a great and effective opportunity that is coming your way and that God has put in front of you, it is the enemy's job to try to stop you. It is the enemy's job to try to stop you. We need to stop being so surprised when God wants to take you to a new level and then there shows up a new devil. Come on, somebody. Come on, and can I just say this, that God uses the enemy and he uses the devil like a pawn on his great chessboard. Amen. Your enemy isn't smart enough to understand that God is using the battle to test you and see where you are really at and see if you will engage in the battle. And it will be a sign that you are ready for your next if you are willing to engage in the battle. Amen. God uses the enemy and the giants that were in the promised land to check and see if the children of Israel were ready to step into their promise. Two of them were ready, but ten of them wasn't. Amen. So the majority say, no, we're we're not going in. We're, We're not ready for this. We would rather run from the battle instead of engage in the battle. And God says, okay, you're not ready. Y'all go hang out in the desert when I had a promise for you. Come on, y'all better understand this. David was coming to deliver cheese to his brothers. He wasn't coming to engage in a battle, but there was a giant that was present. The door didn't look like a door, but there was a boy that had been prepared on the back end of the desert. Come on. He was ready. As soon as he saw the giant, it wasn't a giant to him. It was a sign that God had something on the other side of him. It was a sign that it was a door. And because he had been preparing himself on the back end of a desert, 
because the giant just didn't seem like a big deal. David had prepared himself and prepared in his heart that when the enemy comes, when an adversity comes, it is actually a sign. It is a sign that there is a new door opening to me, that there is a new level opening to me. Can I just say this? It is a sign when the enemy shows up, when a giant shows up, that, that there is a great and effective door for you. Come on, that God is leading you and wanting you to get a victory. Amen. And all you have to do is engage. That is all that God is asking you to do is engage. Do you remember what David said when he faced uh, Goliath? He said, the battle is not mine, but the battle is the Lord. There was only one person on the battlefield who was willing to engage. Come on, God is just looking for some people who are willing to engage. You don't have to have it all together all the time. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. God is just looking for somebody to engage in the battle and get on the battlefield. I'm going to preach it till you get it. Come on. Your enemy is an announcement. Your enemy is an indicator. Your enemy is an announcement and an indicator that God has something great and effective for you on the other side of the battle. The enemy, the giant, the resistance, whatever it is that is on the other, that is facing you, what is on the other side of it is what God has for you. But the giant is an indicator. It should be the thing that lets uh, our, the bells go off in us that God is getting ready to do something. Amen. David says the battle's not mine, but the battle is the Lord. Lord, God is looking for people to engage in the battlefield and he will take care of the rest. But will you show up to your moment and not cry and whine about the giant, but just grab whatever weapon is close to you? Come on, somebody. But just grab whatever you can grab a hold of. It doesn't matter if it's a rag and a rock. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter if the enemy's got a sword and a shield. Just grab the rag and the rock and step out onto the battlefield and let God show up on your behalf come on I'm trying to tell you that God is looking for some warriors that God is looking for some people who won't be scared but will simply step out onto the battlefield and say the battle's not mine but it's the Lord's but I'm here I'm here God is just looking for some people to show up can I just say that all God needs you to do is show up amen it was a great and effective door for you but there will be an enemy. God is looking for some people who will gird up their loins and say, not today, devil. Come on, somebody. I'll not run and be fearful, but I will engage. Come on, if that's you and you're ready to engage in the battle, I wish you'd just give God praise for about 10 seconds. Stand up on your feet and say, God, I will go. God, send me. God, I'll be the answer. God, just give me a rag and a rock. I don't care what the enemy's wearing over there. I don't care about how equipped the enemy might be. I am going on behalf of my God and in his name, and I cannot lose because God is on my side. Hallelujah. Did y'all catch what Paul said there? Paul says, there is a great and effective door that awaits me, but there are many adversaries. There is a great and effective door that awaits me, but there are many adversaries. Can, can I just say this? 
Enemies don't show up to every door, but they do show up to the great and effective ones. Enemies don't show up to every door, but enemies do show up to the great and effective doors. Amen. Can I just say this? You can't have great and effective doors with little battles. Come come on. You can't live an exceptional life in the kingdom of God with ordinary battles. Come on, we don't put cheap locks on great doors. <laughs> we, we don't put cheap locks on great doors. When there is value behind something, we put it behind a vault. Amen. A new battle is announcing a new door. A new battle is announcing a new door. The greater the battle, the greater the door. I'm going to say it till y'all get it. A new battle is announcing a new door. The greater the battle, the greater the door. Some of us have been dealing and walking through some craziness, but it's just time to start praising God because the greater the battle, the greater the door. Some of us ought to get out in these aisles right now and just begin to praise God and lift up a shout and lift up a hand clap offering because you've been going through some craziness, but I came to inform you and I came to encourage you and I came to tell you today that if you've been going through some craziness, if you've been going through some drama if you've been going through some chaos god is getting ready to put you on the other side of a door there is a great and effective door for you that's why the enemy tried to kill you that's why he tried to take you out that is why he tried to destroy you come on that's why he's trying to destroy our families because he knows if they stay together they're dangerous come on that's why he's trying to split churches all across america why because if they stay together they are too dangerous come on the 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 intensity of the battle that you have been going through is because of the intensity of what is on the other side of the door come on somebody I'm trying to tell you that the battle that has been raging and warring against your spirit your soul and your mind it is because the enemy is trying to match the intensity of what he feels oh let me tell you right now when a deliverer rises up, the enemy, he doesn't understand every bit of it, but he starts killing babies. He can feel. When Moses was born, he could feel that, that, that there was a shift coming. He, he could feel that the prayers and the cries of the children of Israel had reached the throne room of God. And God told Moses, I've heard the cries of the children of Israel. Why? Because of their taskmaster. Come on. Sometimes the devil just pushes too far. Come on. Sometimes the devil just puts one too many hay uh, 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 bells of hay and straw bricks on your back and it pushes you to the brink of exhaustion and it pushes you to the brink of brokenness and if you ever get broken you can cry out to a good God who can hear you from afar off and he says I've got to raise up a deliverer I've got to raise up somebody to go in after him the children of the Israel when Jesus is born They're killing babies again. Why? Because he can, he's not all-knowing. He's not omniscient. Can I just say that about the devil? Can I just say that about your enemy? See, I I was praying this morning, and the Lord just kind of slapped me across the head. He ever do that to you? But he's talking to me. He's like, why do y'all act like the devil is omniscient? Y'all act like he knows everything. He doesn't know everything. 
He's a spirit, and he is spiritually discerning. He can discern things. He can feel things, and he can feel atmospheres, and he can feel shifts, and he can, he can sense things, but he doesn't know everything. Can I just say that? He doesn't know everything about your life, but he can discern, sense, and feel when God is getting ready to do something in your life. Because there's a hunger that's on the inside of you. Come on. There's a prayer life on the inside of you. And when you begin to seek God in the secret place, he gets ready to reward you in the open. So the devil ain't omniscient, but when he sees you praying, come on. When he sees you seeking after God, when he sees you reading your Bible. Can I just say this? Everybody that, that's going through some things, it ain't because they live in crazy. Most of the time it's probably because they live in right. I heard Lindsay talking about it as I was upstairs in my office. Paul and Silas weren't in prison because they were doing wickedness and evil. They were, they were in prison because they were living right. They were in prison because they were preaching the gospel. They were making a kingdom impact in a lost and a dying world, and everybody was getting saved. Come on. So the enemy has to do everything he can to keep them from their necks. But, but they began to praise. Come on, somebody. They, they began to worship in the middle of their prison. They, they began to seek after the presence of Almighty God. And as they sought after the presence of Almighty God, he showed up. Come on. How many of you know when you just seek God, he will show up? Amen. So, <laughs> there's a great and effective door waiting on you. But that also means that there is an enemy waiting on you. Can I just say this? If the enemy is making all this effort to try to destroy you and take you out, there's got to be something big on the other side of it. Come on. There's got to be some sort of great and effective ministry on the other side of the attack. Come on. He's throwing everything he can at you because he's saying, I've got to take them out. I've got to tear this family apart. They're too effective together. I've got to try to split the church. They're too effective together. I've got to try to split and stop the business deal because the cash flow from the business deal can expand the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about this morning? I'm trying to tell you that the battle is so big because your door is so great. Can I, I need to say this too. Your next is designed to keep you out. Knew I wasn't going to get no shouts on that. <laughs> Your next, that new season, that new door, it is designed to keep you out. You do understand. That's what doors do. They, they keep things in and they keep things out. Your next is actually designed to keep you out. Think about it. Giants in the promised land, they were there and designed to keep them out. The Jordan River that they had to cross to even get into the promised land, it was a barrier. It was designed to keep them out. Jericho was a fortified city and it had barriers and it was designed to keep them out. God doesn't always put the barriers there, but I will tell you this, God will 100% of the time use the barriers if you'll engage with the battle. He uses the battles 
to test us, but also to strengthen us for the blessing that is on the other side. The battle gets us prepared for what God has for us. It wasn't bad that the prodigal son got his inheritance. It was bad that he got it when he wasn't ready for it. Some things we have not walked through yet or obtained because God knows you ain't ready for it yet. He uses the battle to test us and strengthen us for the blessing that is on the other side. The prodigal son, he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't battle tested. Christians who aren't battle tested would ruin what's on the other side of the door for you. So God in his grace and his mercy, he doesn't let you get the blessing that's on the other side of the door if you aren't ready. God uses the battle in the enemy to test us to see what we can manage. God uses the battle and the battles that we face to see what we can manage. You, you do understand that walking with God, being a Christian, it, it's all about management. It's, it's all about management. Christianity and walking with God is about management. God needs to see what you can handle before he will ever give you more. We've got so many believers and Christians that they look at the life of other believers and Christians and they get jealous and envious and mad and, and they're trying to, well, why does he, why he got that? Why, why does she got that? What, who do they think they are? Come on, I know what they was like before they got saved. I know some of the mistakes that they made when they first got saved and they want to talk in jealousy and envy, but not understanding that it's about management. There's so many Christians that want to be walking in certain levels, but they won't manage the level that God has them on now. That is good preaching, sir. That's good preaching. Like for real though, we, we've got so many people that we look and we point fingers, but we're not managing the thing that God has for us right now. To whom much is given, much is required. If he can trust you with the little things, he might could trust you with the big things. God can give you a great and effect. God, let me see. God can't give you and will not give you a great and effective door if you're mismanaging the small door he's put in front of you. God, watch this. God, let me put it in ways that we all understand because because y'all all understand money. We talk about money around here and your honeys get tight. <laughs> if God can't trust you with 20K a year, what makes you think he's giving you 50K a year? If God can't trust you with 50K a year, what makes you think he's going to give you 100K a year? Let me put it in your relationships form. If God can't trust you with your girlfriend, what makes you think he's going to give you one of his daughters? Come on, somebody. C come on. If God, God doesn't give you a prophetic ministry, if you can't be faithful with showing up in the parking lot after you already signed up for it. Come on. God isn't giving you an office in the fivefold when you can't be trusted to show up to praise and worship practice on time or clean the toilets. How about that one? 
Y'all all right? But, but we, want, we want titles and we want positions and we want microphones and we want stages. But you're mismanaging the small thing that God has put in your stewardship. When I was in Teen Challenge, because I know people probably think, well, I ain't seen pastor with no mopper cleaning the toilets. Let me tell you, what, hey, Adrian, no, when we was in Teen Challenge, buddy, see, some of y'all didn't get to see my process. Come on, somebody. You didn't want to see it, actually, because it was ugly when I started. But I went through this process of breaking down. I had an argument. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I'm going to share this. I had an argument with a staff member one day. And, and I felt like something was, I didn't even know what discernment was yet, but I felt like something was off with him. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And so, but he was always ragging me. He was, he was always busting my chops, right? And, and he was always busting me up. And one day I'd had enough of it. Come on, somebody. And I'm reading my Bible down in the third. It was a three-level house. I'm reading my Bible down in the bottom of the den, but I was supposed to be upstairs getting washed up and ready for dinner. But I'm down there reading my Bible. So I'm technically not in sin, but I am in sin because I'm disobeying the authority that God has placed in my life. And so I get in a little shouting match with this brother. And he took tail and ran back upstairs. But I felt conviction as soon as it happened. And God, I, I, the next morning, the director stomping down to the house. And I knew he was coming for me. So I just went and met him on the front porch. Come on. <laughs> and I said, I know you're here for me. He said, he looked me in my eye, just raging mad. He said, you give me one reason why I should allow you to stay here. I said, well, if you kick me out, I'm going to end up in prison probably for the rest of my life or I'm going to end up dead of an overdose or something. And he said, well, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> he put me in a classroom from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. for seven days straight. That's 14 hours a day, by the way. 14, and I did nothing but writing assignments and discipline work. And then when I got out of the classroom, after that, they made me wash dude's car, and they had me picking out weeds in the garden in May in Virginia, and it was hot, y'all. But we want to know what God did. It turned out two years later that the brother was drinking. The whole time he was there, they found him drunk in, his, in, his, in the bottom basement room, and, um, and, and he admitted that he'd been drinking the whole time. Remember, I told you I, I couldn't put a finger on it, but something was off there. And, and he admitted that he was doing that, but God used that man to break me of my authority issue. God used that man who, was it, who wasn't even living right to break me of my authority issue. I don't even know how that was supposed to be tied into the sermon, but somebody needed to hear that. The, 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 this, the, this, this serving, we've got to come to this place where we are able to serve and serve with an understanding that we are being a reflection of Christ. Yeah, there it is. See, this ain't about titles and microphones and all that. You, you'll qualify yourself for those things, and God will qualify you when he sees that he can trust you with the little thing. Then he'll give you more, and then he'll give you more. But see, this is all about management and stewardship to God. Everything comes from God. How you handle it will determine what you get from that point forward. Amen? Jesus. I got to hurry. So main key number two here I want to tell you is this, that 
If doors bring enemies and adversaries, you need to understand what an enemy is. Come on, enemies, giants, adversaries, adversities, mountains, whatever you want to call it, is this. Anything that keeps you from your destiny and it strengthens a weakness in you. Anything that keeps you from destiny and is a weakness to you. Enemies usually come in the form of resistance. Enemies are anything that get in the way of your destiny and maximize your weaknesses. I'm not going to take credit for this. We have an apostle over this house. His name is Ron Carpenter, and I have learned a lot of these things that I'm talking about in this section of the series from him. So I, I want to give credit where credit is due. By the way, he told me I can preach all of his material, so mind your business. Amen. <laughs> but I want to give him credit on this because this, this is a revelation, y'all, that an enemy is something that maximizes weaknesses in our life. And there are three types of enemies or adversaries that you're going to have to deal with before you cross the threshold of a great and effective door or great and effective opportunities. You've got exterior enemies, you've got interior enemies, and you've got spiritual enemies. Y'all okay? I'm going to teach for a little bit. People or in the form of people are your exterior enemies. Jesus tells you to love your enemies. He's not telling you to love demons. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual uh, principalities and authorities, right? Come on, I get that. I understand that. And I'm going to break that down in just a second. But enemies also come in the form of people. Y'all just hold tight, amen? Interior, interior or internal. These are things that we have going on on the inside of us that keep us from stepping into God's next for our lives. Amen. Can I just say this? It ain't always the devil keeping you from your door. I don't need no devil to ruin my life. Caleb get in the flesh and Caleb reverts back to the way that he used to be. I don't need no devil. I can ruin it all in a couple of days, maybe a couple of hours. I could probably have it ruined by 6 o'clock tonight. <laughs> internal. There, there is an internal enemy. And then there are spiritual, spiritual enemies, which are the demonic agendas and attacks that is trying to keep you from your next level in God. Amen. So let's deal with one at a time. Sub key here, I want to ask you this. Are you a gate or a window? Are you a gate or a window? Don't worry, you'll get it in a second. But there are described windows of heaven and gates of hell within the scriptures. So these are doors or access points or access points uh, where these realms get into the spiritual realm has access to get into our physical or earthly realm. Amen. Now I'm going to go deep. Y'all stay here with me for a second. But God made this decree in Genesis chapter 1 that we tend to forget a lot about. And that decree in Genesis chapter 1 is that mankind would have dominion on the face of the earth. Amen. So we live in a kingdom. We are kingdom citizens. God is the king, amen, of the kingdom. And you are a citizen of heaven. Amen. And, and so God is the king. 
And in kingdoms and monarchies, when a kingdom, when a king makes a decree, not even he can go back on it. That's why Nebuchadnezzar, although he loved Daniel, he had to throw him in the lion's den because he had made a decree and a king cannot go back against his word. So God makes this decree in Genesis chapter 1 that mankind would have dominion on the earth. Now, y'all buckle up. I know this is fitting to mess some of y'all up, but it's the truth. What this means is that if it gets better on the earth, it's going to be because of mankind. If it gets worse on the earth, guess what? It's going to be because of mankind. So, so are y'all catching what I'm saying here with this? Mankind has dominion. That means if God wants something done, he finds a man in the earth who will be submissive and obedient to his spirit. And then he makes that thing happen through the man or the woman of God. Amen. God is spirit and spirits don't have dominion in this physical realm. Mankind does. So if God wants something done, he finds a man. Watch this. If Satan, who is spirit, wants something done in the earth, what he finds is a man. Because mankind has dominion on the earth. He can only work through mankind. You want me to prove it to you? I can tell by the look on your face. This is why Jesus had to come in a body. <laughs> this is why Jesus had to come in a body. It's because mankind has dominion. He had to come in the image and the likeness of man to reverse what the first Adam had messed up. The last Adam came and fixed. And I'll prove it to you by just some, some simple thinking. If it didn't take a body, Jesus from heaven could have just said, be saved. But he didn't do that. He came and wrapped himself in flesh and bone, and he came and he lived a sinless and a spotless life, which qualified him to be the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, that paid for the sins of mankind and paid for your junk and paid for my junk. So, so mankind, flesh, has dominion in the earth. Flesh has dominion in the earth. So watch this. God is getting things done in the earth from heaven. He's just a G like that. Come on, somebody. He don't even got to come down here. He gets stuff done from all the way in that realm and makes it happen here because he uses mankind. So he's getting things done that's already finished in that realm, and he is getting things done in this realm. Amen. He uses doors to get what is needed in this realm from his realm. Amen. And I told you last week that Satan is an original. Come on, somebody. Satan is an original. He ain't never had an original thought. All he can try to do is mimic and try to do to, to discredit everything that God is doing. Amen. So he tries to do the same thing. He tries to mimic what God does. So there are access points to heaven and hell. There are doors or windows of heaven and there are gates or doors to hell. And guess what? You and I are those gates and are those doors. You have the choice to be a window of heaven or a gate of hell? Y'all know that scripture I share on tithing all the time that y'all sick of hearing? Bring the tithing to the storehouse and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Do you understand that the Hebraic, the, the, a better translation of that says, see if I won't open you up. 
See, see if I won't open you up and there'll be a blessing that comes from you. Let me help us. If God needs to bless somebody with groceries, guess what? He's sending you. If somebody needs prayer at Walmart in the line, buying those groceries, guess what? He's sending you. If God is needing a prophetic word to get to somebody and encourage them and stop them from committing suicide, guess what? He is going to use you. Come on. If God wants to deliver somebody who's demon-possessed, guess what? God is going to send you to cast out the demon. How will they know? If they have not heard, how will they hear if there is not a preacher? Are you catching what I'm dropping right now? God is using, he uses us to get his plan and his agenda into the earth. Are you a window of heaven this morning? And then there's the gates of hell. Oh, Lord. Y'all wanted me to read you some scripture to prove what I'm telling you, didn't you? I could just feel it. I could feel it. Matthew chapter 16. Let's go there. Y'all good? I'm almost done. Here we go. Verse 13. I didn't give them this. Y'all just follow along with me. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said, but who do you say that I am? Excuse me. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Watch. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Window. Window. And I also say to you, Peter, that you shall be a rock and I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do y'all see this coinciding relationship with heaven and earth where God is trying to use us to get heaven into the earth? The, the culture of the kingdom, the, 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 the influence, the power, the authority of the place called heaven. God wants to use us as a window to bring it into the earth. Amen. And then here come Peter again. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Jesus rebuking or Peter rebuking Jesus. Hmm. I think we give him a hard time because watch this. Far be it from you, Lord, that this may not happen to you. But he said, get behind me, Satan. Gate. One minute, Peter is a window of heaven. And about six lines later, he becomes a gate of hell for the enemy to manifest through. He 
peace. Jesus says, you are an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Here's how I'm going to circle that back into we need to lay off of Peter, because the moment that you are not thinking on the things of God, wanting to produce the things of God, trying to replicate the things of God, being a vessel and a window for God to operate through and walk through, the moment that you do that and you get in your flesh, you are becoming a gate of hell. You're becoming a door for the enemy to operate and get into the earth. I know that's strong, but it's real. That actually ties the fact that people and spiritual enemies, you know, that ties them together. Because there is this thing where people can become enemies. But see, what we need to do as the people of God is try to discern the spirit behind the person that is producing the enemy. Amen. Can I just say this and then I got to move on. But the, the one that you agree with is the one that you will become. The one that you agree with is the one that you will become. Internal enemies. Here we go. Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of the door. He says, let us lay aside weights. Not all weights are necessarily sin. But he is saying, let go of any weight that is holding you back from walking through the door. And then he mentions this. He says, not a sin, not sins, the sin. The sin. You want to know what the sin is? It's that one weakness that you struggle with so bad and over and over. And guess what? We all have them. Don't you dare snare your nose up at me this morning. We all got that, that, it's that one thing that, that it seems like we can't get over. Let me say this too. Weaknesses that you don't address can be the weakness that destroys you. The weakness that you don't address can be the very weakness that destroys you. David had a weakness and it was a woman. All it took was one woman and it almost destroyed the entire king. It almost stripped the entire kingdom from him with one simple woman. Come on, thank God for the prophet that confronted him, amen. Samson had a weakness. Samson had a, he had a couple of weaknesses. Come on, we need to pray for Samson. <laughs> Samson had a couple of weaknesses. Samson had, had a weakness with women. He had a weakness, he, he had a weakness with disobeying what God had called him to do over and over and over again. And he winds up dying in the enemy's camp, blind and naked, when he could have been the greatest judge in all of the history of the Bible. But he wouldn't deal with his weakness. And let me say this, too. You understand what Samson's greatest weaknesses, weakness was, was praise. 
It was the fact that he laid his head in the lap of Delilah as she told him how great he was. Ladies, men are created in the image of God. And so are you, but for the purposes of this illustration, bear with me. (laughs) Nagging is not how you get your husband to do anything. It's okay. Somebody should have shouted that louder. Just everybody say it. Amen. Amen. All right. It's not, (laughs) that's not how you get your husband to get things done. God can't resist a praiser. This is why David can get caught up in his mess and his junk, but yet God says he's a man after my own heart. He loves me. He chases after me. He praises me. He worships me. He does not move until I give him the okay to move. Do y'all remember when his whole family and, and, the, and, the, and his guards with him, their whole family gets kidnapped. He does not move until God tells him to move. He is a praiser. He is a worshiper. And men... When you will give praise and when you will love on them, that's how you get a man to do something for you. Can I just say that? Come on, somebody. (laughs) Ladies, y'all paying attention? Here go marriage class right here. (laughs) Brag on your husband and it will get him to do some things. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. That was free. He could have went down as the greatest judge, but he doesn't deal with his internal weakness. Amen. David is confronted by the prophet, which was the voice of God in that time, and conviction hits his heart and he repents. Then he goes down as the greatest king of all time. Can I just say this? One of these people with this internal struggle, and I I, I promise I'm almost done, but but one of these people, one of these greatest stories in the Bible it is, is where a man confronts the internal issue that he has is Jacob. Jacob had some issues. J- Jacob was a trickster. Jacob didn't have integrity. Jacob didn't have good character. He was willing to do whatever it took to get him to where he wanted to be. He was willing to lie. He was willing to cheat. He had a character flaw. But he has this encounter with God in Genesis chapter 32 where he has this wrestling moment with God where God removes all of this stuff from him and breaks him. God doesn't want to use people that aren't broken. And here we have Jacob. It's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That internal struggle God addresses. Worship team, y'all go ahead and make your way up. So we've talked about there being a great and effective door. We've talked about enemies, what they are, who they are, how they are, how they operate, how they function, how they move. We've talked about exterior enemies. We've talked about internal enemies we've talked about spiritual enemies and the last point i want to make is this is enemies and doors announce shifts 
enemies and doors announce shifts. Enemies and doors announce your next. They get you to a place of movement. Most of the time, God couldn't get you to move on into your next unless he allows an enemy to rise up or a door to get in the way. Without the enemy, we would have never moved. Can I just say this about the enemy this morning? The enemy is not there to destroy you. The enemy is there to reveal you. The enemy is not there to destroy you. The enemy is there to reveal you. And can I just say, it'll reveal some things in you. Battles, going through heartache, going through pain, it will reveal some things in you. And that can be good too, because when something gets, see, you cannot address something until it is revealed to you. You, you, you don't see it. There's that old country saying, right, you can't smell your own stink. Come on, somebody. You, you, would have never, you would have never addressed it, and God could have never revealed it to you unless he got you naked. Unless he put you out there and sees what's really in you. The enemy's not there to destroy you, but the enemy is there to reveal you. Pharaoh was an announcement to the children of Israel that their next was on the way. Pharaoh's announcement to the children was to the children of Israel that they was about to enter into the promise. Goliath was an announcement that the shepherd was about to turn into a king. The only thing between him and his destiny was a giant. The only thing between you and your destiny is going to be a giant. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. Great and effective doors will have an enemy in front of them. Satan and temptation in the wilderness for Jesus was an announcement that this was the test that he needed to pass so that he could step into his ministry. Jesus hadn't done a lick of ministry yet. But he had to go face Satan himself in the wilderness, an enemy. The cross and his death, talking about an enemy. We get mad when they leave our french fries out the bag at McDonald's. Can I help you? They ain't your enemy. A cross and a death was his enemy. It was the declaration. It was the indication. It was the indicator that there was something great on the other side of it. Can I just ask you a transparent question in the room this morning? Am I the only one or has anybody else in here been facing some sort of resistance? Been facing some sort of enemy? Come on, just lift your hands. If you've been facing some sort of enemy, you've been facing some sort of resistance, you've been facing some sort of adversity or adversary, come on, hands all over the room. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to encourage you. And like I said, I'm encouraging myself. I told you earlier and I was transparent. This has been one of the hardest weeks of my life. I've been isolated. 
I've been struggling mentally, spiritually. Felt like I couldn't even pray. And I'm just being real with you. Is it okay to be real in church? I don't. I mean, you came to a real church. But God took me to this place. I didn't even know what to preach this week. But God took me to this place and this scripture for a reason. Because there is the battle is so great because there is a great and effective door that awaits me. The battle and the attack on your life has been so great. The chaos, the struggle, the battles, the hurt, the pain has been so strong because there's a great and effective door. Now watch this. And there are many adversaries. There's an enemy that wants to keep you from stepping through the threshold of that door that God has for you. Can I just tell you how the Bible says to deal with enemies? Worship. The, the Bible tells you that you can take out your enemy through your praise. Come on, I'm reminded of the story of Jehoshaphat where the enemy has surrounded the children and the people of Israel and he tells him, don't put your best archers on the front. Don't put your best swordsmen on the front. Don't, don't put your chariots in the front. No, I want you to put the worshipers on the front. I want you to put the praisers on the front. Come on, there's a battle at Jericho and, and God tells them, I need you to put the trumpets and the rams horns on the front and on the seventh day I want you to let out the biggest shout that you have ever let out I'm telling you right now the Bible says that praise can confuse your enemy Praise can be like that rock that David had in that rag. And when he slung it, it hit Goliath right in his forehead. And the Bible says that it sank into him. And then David goes and cuts off the head of his enemy. But it all starts with some praise. So I'm going to shut up and get out of the way. And I'm going to stand on this front row. And I'm asking you that if you lifted your hand, just make way in this altar and we're going to praise and we're going to watch giants fall in this room. Come on, worship team, get it started. Come on, if you lifted your hand, just get in this altar and come praise and worship God. Come praise and worship the king. Sling a rock at the enemy this morning. Sling a rock at that thing, that enemy, that giant, that adversary that's been coming your way.